All right, good morning, everyone. Do you feel like you were designed to belong this morning? That's the topic we're going to look into. Uh, my name is Mike Bailey. I'm the lead pastor here at Gaten, and I am so glad everyone's here this morning. And as we come into another Sunday, my prayer and our prayer as, as leaders here at Gaten is that you would hear from God and that he would speak directly to you and that you would sense uh, his calling in your life. We're going to continue this series called Back to School. Uh, many of you started school a week ago, some like three weeks ago. Uh, but it is a point I think we can all relate to. Hopefully you went to school at some point in your life. Um, and it's, it's something that we all have familiarity with. And so uh, I believe there are some crossovers between the church and school. We started the series last week with worship and the idea of a pep rally and that every Sunday we get to come here and cheer for Jesus, cheer for God, and do that together as a family and invite people to do that with us and that everyone is welcome to be part of this celebration up in this worship service. But it takes all of us giving our gifts, how many people are involved in just doing this service right now. I'm just overwhelmed and so thankful for all the people that put time, energy, and effort using their gifts so that we can do this. And so this morning, we're going to look at the idea of a cafeteria. How many of you <clears throat> enjoyed the cafeteria when you were in school? How many of you did not like it? All right, so a couple of hands there. If you're homeschooled, I'm sorry about this question. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed your cafeteria. You know, the cafeteria to me, when I was a youth pastor, that was the one area I would try to go for lunch because I really felt like that was when people are authentic. It was, there was no agenda. You talked about what you wanted to talk about. You sat with who you wanted to sit with. And it was that, that moment of just really opening up and sharing about yourself and talking about what you're interested in. And I think that progresses in life, right? I mean, now if you go out to dinner, if you have a lunch break, it's those moments when we sit down and talk to people and get to know each other that have, um, I think, really tingy sound, <laughs> really, really large impact in our lives and our relationships. And so we're going to look at that idea. Um, for some of you, as you shared, the cafeteria was not your favorite thing. And I'm not just talking about the food. But, you know, you walk in the cafeteria, even in, you like walk into church, everyone turns and looks at you, and there's some tables you can't sit at. There's some groups that won't accept you, and that's hard to take. And there's some groups that when they see you, they smile and say your name and come say, come sit with us. And that encourages you, and that relationship is such a powerful thing. And I think it's something that maybe we overlook in the church, but I think it's a huge part of our lives is that relational connection point. And so we all understand it when it comes to school and the cafeteria about that whole thing. But at the church, our relationships, our friendships. I remember when I was uh, a junior in college, I had signed up to preach uh, wherever churches needed someone to fill in. And I went, and this was in central Virginia. I got invited to come speak at this church, and I came in, and like every, I felt like I had the plague or something. It was like moms were like saying, stay away from that man, you know. No one wanted to talk to me. No one wanted to go near me. I felt like the biggest outsider in the whole world. And I'm, I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know their format. I didn't know anything about this church. And I felt like the biggest outsider. And it seemed like the body language of everyone I saw was, get out of here. What are you doing here? You don't belong here. Until finally I met the leader, the head deacon of the church, and, and I introduced myself. And he says, oh, you're speaking. Then all of a sudden, everyone became my friend. In one minute. <laughs> And those women are like, children, go meet him. He's a wonderful man. But the, isn't that true, though? You know? 
And I think about it. Some of us in this room, we grew up in the Christian culture. We, we grew up in the church culture, and, and we grew up going to Sunday school, or we grew up singing songs together. It's a unique thing we do. What we just did is very unique, that you sing together with a group of people, right, on a weekly basis. I'm listening to someone talk about a book that everyone seems to be familiar with the book, Right? And as a pastor and as a church, we don't want to take for granted the fact that there are people in this room that didn't grow up with that. And this is very strange to you this morning. Standing up and singing songs together, having someone pass around a basket where you put money in it, um, talking about this book as if it's, it's, it's real and true and, and, and that it's worth studying, that's, that's, that's outside of your comfort zone. That's outside of what you're used to. And I'm glad you're here this morning. But I think as a church, our responsibility and, and what I believe God is going to show us through his words and through the examples he give us, gives us is how important this is that we welcome people in and that we're able to share together in this good news, this good news of hope, this good news of a future, this good news of peace that we can have with God and each other. And so my question <clears throat> before we look at the scripture this morning is, do you feel like you belong here? Do you feel like you belong here? This morning, do you feel like you belong here? Let's precede God's word with prayer. If you'd pray with me, please. <clears throat> Father, Heavenly Father, Father of creation, Lord, I ask that your will would be done in these moments, that these moments would reflect heaven. Lord, I pray that you would give every single one of us right now in this room what we need to know. Give us a clear understanding, Lord. Give us a heart and a desire to be in relationship with you and to be in relationship with the people around us and the people that aren't even here, Lord. Lord, give us your heart. Lord, I pray that as we discuss this, that we would see how forgiving and how patient and how gracious you are with us, that we also, Lord, may, be, may take that example and live it out, that we would be patient and we would be forgiving. And Lord, that we would look at the world the way you look at the world. And Lord, as we talk about this, this, this conversation of, of social gatherings, of connecting together with people, of inviting people in, of becoming a family, of becoming friends, that you would help us as we navigate this path, that we would understand where we're to go and what we're to do and how we can live into this and how you have created us from the very beginning, that you knew us, you know us, and you have a plan for us and that you were calling us to live into this, that we would be your body, that we would reach out and we would grow together in you. And Lord, I pray that we would never forget that one day all of the relationships will be perfected, that there will be no more sadness, there will be no more tears, that you will redeem, Lord, that you will come back, and Lord, you will establish what you wanted from the very beginning, this relationship between us and you and between each other. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this time. Thank you for speaking to Luke. Thank you for giving him someone who... who um, gave him this job, this responsibility to record these things so that they would be written, so that we could read them this morning. I pray that they would speak to our hearts. I pray that they would challenge us and grow us. I pray this in your name, the name that gives us the ability to understand the name of Jesus. Amen. 
This morning we'll be looking at Acts chapter 9, verse 26. The book of Acts was written by a man named Luke. Luke was Paul's doctor, his physician. Luke was extremely well-educated, um, and he understood the importance of what he was doing. He was commissioned, he was sponsored to write this book for us so that we would have an understanding of what happened in the first church, how Jesus impacted the world. And so Luke is writing this book for us so that you and I today would have information and knowledge we need to live our lives. And as we read this, understanding that Luke was very intentional about what he wrote and what he put in here so that we could understand it and apply it, and that, that this is a background and a story that is as relevant today as it was when it happened. And so where we're going to catch up here in Acts chapter 9, uh, prior to this, um, Saul, who was an authority within uh, the Hebrew world, he was uh, going after those who believed in Jesus. He was imprisoning them. He was uh, making, signing certificates so that they would uh, maybe even be put to death. Um, he was there at the stoning of Stephen. He, he is involved. He's one of the main leaders of the persecution of the original church. And so um, he is a threat and yet, on the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up to, to Saul, and he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me, and, and in a sense, my people? And through that experience, Saul is converted, and he gives his life to Christ, and he completely transforms 180 degrees and, and repents and, and begins to live for the Lord. And we're told that he changes from his original name of Saul to Paul, and Paul represented humility and his willingness to do whatever God called him to do. And at that time, in that place in history, Jerusalem was the, was the area where the, the movement was active, and it was the foundational point. It was the capital, really, of what was happening in the world uh, for the church. And so Paul felt called to Jerusalem, knowing when he shows up that they're not going to like that he's there. Because for many of them, he put their grandmothers, their grandfathers, their cousins, their uncles into jail, and some of them to death. And so here's where we catch up. Verse 26. <clears throat> when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. Now, let's be honest, as we read this, and I can relate to this, maybe you can relate to this, um, they were guarding what they felt had value. They were guardians. They were guardians of the church. They were guardians of what was um, to be shared with the world. And here is someone who shows up that they know had, had done some really bad things for the, for the faith, for the body. They knew his record. He had, um, he had a reputation. His reputation preceded him, and many of them knew what he had done. And so there, he, he was an outsider to them. Basically, they said, look, um, here's our cafeteria table. You can't sit at it, right? You're not allowed here with us. And they're guarded. And I would say this morning, if you, if you feel that way, if you feel that, you know, I need to guard the church because uh, we don't want to water down the message and we don't want to lose the focus of the mission and, and, and we want to protect people because um, there's a vulnerability, I commend that. We do need people that will guard the church and say the, char the church is a place of truth and, and we need to value that truth and we need to hold strong to that truth. And so I don't want to undermine the guardians here in this room. Those who would guard what we're doing is so valuable. But I don't think that that's the end of the story because as we continue on, we see in verse 27, 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him, him being Paul, to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him 
and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Barnabas also had a reputation. Barnabas was not his birth name. He was changed, his name was changed by the apostles uh, because of his attitude, because of how he lived his life. Barnabas in, in, in the Hebrew means son of encouragement or son of, consol- of consolation. That Barnabas, he lived his life as, as, and we might use the term nurturer. He cared about people. He nurtured. He, he saw someone as an outsider. He saw someone that, that, that was being misunderstood and, and he had to do something about it. He had to make it right. And so what did he do? He went to the top, the apostles. He went to the leaders of the church and he said, look, I know this guy. I know this guy. You can trust them. And so we see Barnabas using his reputation, using who he is to invite Saul, who becomes Paul, into the church. The other aspect of Barnabas to me that I connect with is that he's a connector. He looked and he said, I can connect Paul. God has connected me to Paul, and I need to connect him to the church, and and I need to invite him into this social gathering, into this place where he's part of the family, where he's part of the group. And so he, he knew that, He understood that, and then he took action on that. This morning, as I'm talking about this idea of outsiders, did that spark something in you? Do you have a passion for for standing up for the outsider, for encouraging the person who feels neglected, for the person who doesn't feel welcome, to the person who doesn't feel comfortable coming here or, or into a place to be part of a group? As you hear this, do you sense in yourself, I I can connect people and I can bring people into a group and and I know people that would be valuable here, that that they would grow and that they would need this and it would be important to them. And and I have that calling within me. Is that part of who you are? Did God make you that way intentionally? Like Barnabas. Because when Barnabas was obedient, when Barnabas, Barnabas was obedient, here's what happened. So Saul stayed with him and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So because Barnabas stuck up for him, because Barnabas felt that he should be welcomed in, an outsider who was an untrusted outsider because he had a reputation that was bad, was invited in, he was now freely able to walk amongst the group, to be part of the social environment of the Jerusalem church, to break bread, to be a part. This morning, do you sense that in your heart? Do you feel like you could be a Barnabas to people in your life? That you could invite them in? That you could be that connector, that nurturer that they need? Another amazing example is in Acts 16, further down, verse 14, tells us the story of Lydia. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. It's interesting that when Luke writes this, that he includes that she's a, she's a dealer in, in purple cloth. And for us today, that may not mean much. I think an equivalency or a connecting point for us is if we said uh, Lydia is the CEO of Apple, right? Or the CEO of Microsoft, because that was her status. She was involved in something that was cutting edge. She was involved in something that was one of the biggest parts of the market of its time. She was affluent, and she had... Uh, a lot of say within her culture. She had a lot of influence. 
And so he's putting in there to let us understand who this woman is, her background, where she's coming from. And here we find that she's a worshiper of God. And the Lord opens her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, what is the first thing she does? What does it say? Come and stay at my house. Come and stay at my house. The first thing she does is she invites them into her house. The first thing she really does is say, hey, my table is open. My social community, the place that I belong, the place that I am who I really am, I'm inviting you into that. I'm inviting you into community with me. I believe Lydia understood the importance of community and relationship. She understood that the message that Paul was preaching, it wasn't a message about making bad people good. It wasn't a place where you felt bad because you did bad things or you came to church so you could mark something off. It was a relational point of view. That when Lydia came and heard the message, she understood, I am now right relationship with God because of Christ, and now I have a right relationship with others because of Christ, and I need to invite them in, and I need to befriend them, and I get to need to get to know them, and I, they need to get to know me, and we need to begin to do life together, and I want to cry with them, and I want to laugh with them, and I want to eat with them, and I want to get to know them, and I want them to be comfortable enough to reveal who they really are. And that the gospel is about that. The gospel is about you getting to the place where you understand that you are free in Christ and you can be you with God. And you can invite other people into that relationship. And that there, the church is not just about a Sunday meeting, gathering point. Yes, the worship is important, but it isn't the total. And that us getting together and, and, and doing fun things together and doing life together is part of the church. It's amazing when you learn about the church. The first church, it was known. It was known for welcoming people in and saying, hey, you can be a part of this. We don't care where you're from. We don't care what your race is. We don't care what your ethnicity is. We don't care about any of that stuff. Come, because this is for you. This is freedom for everyone. You know what else is amazing? Is this, if you read the New Testament, what we learn about Jesus, the religious leaders, the people like me of that time, the pastors, the priests, Here's what they had to say about Jesus. They said he's a drunk because he's always with the people that are partying. He's a glutton because he always goes to the social events. He said Jesus is a friend to the sinners. You know why? Because Jesus was investing his time in the community and doing real life with them and having dinner with them and sharing life together. And he said, come follow me and live this out. This is what I'm calling you to. It's an amazing thing when you study. Um, we're told that Jesus hosts two social events. Did you know Jesus hosted? Like he put it together. He organized two social events. One social event, he had a dinner where he met with all the the Pharisees and all the religious people and he kind of just said you guys aren't getting it because it's not about the rules It's about the relationship and, and the relationship leads you to the right place place not the rules And then he had another dinner where he hosted and had the the, the tax collectors 
and the prostitutes, and he said, come, you know, this relationship is available to you even though you feel like you've fallen so short, you don't think you're valuable, you think you're too far away from God. Well, guess what? I've come to fix that for you. And he had a social gathering to share this with them. Because the, the mission of the church and the mission of Christianity is not to get you just to come to church. It is to be the church. And the beauty of it is that we can get so close in our relationship that we can become brothers and sisters in one body, one family. It's an amazing thing. As you're listening, maybe you're thinking in your mind, I have creative ideas. I could think of ways to bring people together. I could think of amazing social events that would help us gather and build friendships and relationships. Do you think that God gave you that creative mind, that creative heart for a purpose? Maybe in your mind you're a pioneer thinker and you're thinking, we need to do this as a church. We need to be thinking about the future and that that relationships is is really the vital aspect of us as a church and maybe we're missing that right now. Maybe we're missing it and, and if we don't do this, the future will be affected because really what is at stake? What is at stake for us as a church on this mission to share peace The peace that is brought by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And the hope that we have in that. What's at stake is marriages, is addictions. What's at stake is our neighbors and our friends and our family never really having deep, authentic, Christ-centered friendships that they were created for. Relationships. Doing life together in community. Jesus says he has come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. And that's why I believe belonging is a powerful thing. When you feel like you belong, when you you walk in and you know there's going to be a smile waiting for you, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? When I go to the cafeteria, my emotions are going to be Affected by how I'm received. Do I belong in this family? Do I belong at this table? And so I believe we have to be intentional. The first church was known for breaking bread regularly. They, I mean, if you read it, they would pray and break bread. <laughs> that was their rhythm. What would it look like if we hung out with each other? What would it look like if the Gaten was known for tight friendships, tight communities that loved each other deeply? Is that what God wants for us? Is that his desire? This morning, are you a Barnabas? Are you a Lydia? What is God stirring in your heart? What is he saying to you? With all of this, I believe it begins with a relationship to Christ. When we begin that relationship with Christ, he gives us these gifts and he he reveals these things to us and we begin to understand. We begin to understand that we can be used, we can be connected, and we can grow.
This morning, if you know that you've made that decision for Christ and you're living into that, my next challenge, my next step for you would be to pursue friendships here at Gaten. Pursue them. Don't wait for them to happen. Pursue them. I've been here for a couple years now, and I can tell you there's amazing people throughout this church, and they do fun things together, and I just want to encourage us as a church. The church is not just about listening to someone speak or singing songs, but it's doing life together. It's building those relationships and those friendships. But we need to pursue them. We got to value them. We got to prioritize them and say, I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. Every Wednesday night, we have dinner table here in this room, in this gym. And it's a place to break bread. It's a place to gather. And remind ourselves that the big mission, the big mission is that every person knows they can have peace and love with God. And that every person knows they can be in relationship within the body of Christ they can belong what is God saying to you right now what is he speaking to your heart he made you distinct he placed gifts upon you that he wants you to use for you to pursue and then for us as a church to say we value each other and we value these opportunities to break bread and get to know each other and have deep, meaningful relationships. What is he saying? What are you going to do? What is he saying? Let's pray. Father God, you are awesome. You don't make it complicated. Help us in this room, help me to know what it means to love you and to receive that grace, receive that freedom so I can live in freedom. And Lord, help me to not pursue the things that don't matter, but to pursue the things that you put me here to pursue, the relationships, the people you've put us here to know and to support and to encourage and Lord, to use all these things you've given us for your glory. Lord, I pray that whatever you're saying to us right now, that we would be obedient. And Lord, we would take the next steps in following you and becoming a tight body built on your word, built in you, knowing you as, as our Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. In Jesus' name.